And that's how I think about our culture. All of us could be somewhere else, probably a much more branded company. And, and we're here because we were innovating and putting out product that no one else is, is putting out. And that's exciting to us. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. My guest today is Stephen Hazelton, founder and CEO of Street Diligence. Founded in 2012, Street Diligence is an industry-leading SaaS platform used to manage and negotiate the dense and, dense and complicated terms and conditions of documents more efficiently and effectively within financial services, real estate, and M&A environments. Stephen has over two decades of experience in global financial markets as both an entrepreneur and investor. Prior to starting Street Diligence, Stephen was managing director of Savoy Capital, an investment firm and family office where he led the firm's investment activities. He is a second-time entrepreneur, having previously founded Stafford Group, a Vietnam-based brokerage firm. Stephen is the primary author and inventor on multiple patents related to textual and contract analysis and a frequent speaker on entrepreneurship in the credit markets at leading corporations and academic campuses globally. Stephen, welcome. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate you having me uh, on, on the podcast. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, my pleasure. So uh, it, it looks like the biggest problem you're solving uh, for your clients is this managing and negotiating contracts. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so so what we do is we, we take dense uh, contracts that our clients negotiate with counterparties. Uh, they provide those contracts to us and we, uh, we use various uh, technologies that we've developed in-house to extract out uh, the numeric and textual uh, information around the terms and conditions and the obligations in those contracts. Mm -hmm. And then we curate that information we, and we provide back to the client in a way that they can conduct due diligence on those contracts, they can understand what's in them, and they can negotiate better mm -hmm. terms for, them, for themselves. We also provide benchmarks that gives them a chance of, of, of benchmarking against competition. Does this take the place or is it an adjunct to a contract attorney? Uh, no, it's in addition to. We, we don't opine on language. Okay. We don't replace the attorney. We augment the, uh, the attorney. Okay, fantastic. Uh, and street diligence is, pub is privately held, correct? That's right, yep. Mm -hmm. Do you have, uh, I mean, have you bootstrapped? Have you taken uh, institutional capital? Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. We, um, <clears throat> well, one, one of the mistakes that I made, and we can talk a little bit about that in, in my first company, mm -hmm. was uh, uh, the approach I took to capital raising um, in the first venture. Okay. And so the second one I self-funded for the initial sort of startup period. And then eventually we did, mm -hmm. uh, we did a seed round, a couple seed rounds, and, and, and raised some, some capital. All of our investors are, are uh family offices, some high net worth individuals as well. So we have not taken any uh, mm -hmm. venture or, or private equity, uh, growth equity capital to date. 
So uh, have you found a difference in uh, when you talk about taking money from family offices, the amount of, you know, the percentage of the company of equity that they own in the company? Um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily, there, there is necessarily a difference mm-hmm. there. Um, where what, yeah. I, what I have done, generally speaking, is, is uh, I've probably left a little money on the table in terms of valuation to handpick my mm-hmm. investors or, or, or curate the mm-hmm. group that I wanted on board a little bit more than I otherwise might have. Uh, and there, there was a little bit of a difference that I noticed, but I, I don't think um, uh, there was a valuation difference really. So tell me about why you decided to handpick. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very, I happen to think it's a really great idea. Um, I, I know many, many founders who've done the same thing. You know, you really only want to take money from people that are going to be partners to you, right? Yeah, I, I learned that in my first venture. I, I, um, I, I got in bed with investors too quickly and, and probably mm-hmm. would have made different choices the first time around. Mm-hmm. And so this time around, I was mm-hmm. very careful. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. the folks that uh, invested in our in, in our company at the early stages, the second one, I've, I'd known for a while or, or had mm-hmm. prior relationships with and, and really trusted and they trusted mm-hmm. me. And that, I think that was a big, mm-hmm. a big part of why they came on board and why I was happy to have them join the group. Yeah, great. And, and we will talk more about about Stafford Group because I really want to hear about that. Um, tell me what was the the genesis behind this company, Street Diligence, the found, you know, the impetus behind founding it? Sure. Uh, well, I, I uh, prior to Street Diligence, I ran a, a family office. Uh, you mentioned it, Savoy Capital. Right. And um, <clears throat> during the last financial crisis, which kind of now feels like old news, but uh, we were making a lot of investments <laughs> yeah, right. in, in bonds and bank loans, and and the due diligence process was very tedious and laborious. Going through legal contracts is mm-hmm. no fun, and um, and right. so it was a problem that I had. Um, and at the mm-hmm. time, we used Bloomberg, and and uh, and I thought to myself, "Geez, we're, we're paying Bloomberg twenty five grand a seat per year. What a great business!" And, Oof, and yet. Yeah. None right. of those contracts that we were reviewing, which were publicly available, were available on the terminal in any regularity. And so I thought there was an opportunity there to create a, uh, a, a platform for a, at the, what was at the time publicly available documents uh, through Edgar, uh, through, through the Edgar portal. And so that's how we mm-hmm. started. We started processing publicly available documents because of my mm-hmm. background in, in, that, in that business. <clears throat> Well, and, and, and you've really hit on what I think is really the lowest common denominator among everyone I interview is that they often stumbled into a problem. Yeah. And decided to solve it. <laughs> yeah, that was very much the case. And, and I had actually already in yeah. my head, um, uh, you know, I, I had given myself a certain number of years, really, I had a target and a savings goal in mind. And I thought, as soon as I hit that mm-hmm. savings goal, I'm going to, uh, leave the leave the fund and, and start a, another company and so I was already in the last sort of year thinking about different ideas and and opportunities that might come up and this was one of them that's great so uh, how do you how do you tend to uh, find your prospects our, our sales prospects you're doing outbound or yeah your sales prospects outbound marketing inbound marketing a combination social media whatever that might be yeah primarily outbound um, uh, mm-hmm. it's direct market a direct sales model for us uh, we reach out via email okay. and phone. So we do a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. We reach out via LinkedIn as well sometimes, although that's less successful. Um, and yeah. um, and, uh, and that's that's how we do it. We get a lot of uh, references through existing clients or, or existing right. users who move to other uh, employers. 
Uh, so it's, it's a, there's no silver bullet for us. There's, it's, we kind of do all of the above. Um, we have not done a lot of marketing, which is something actually we're, we're investing in in this coming year. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's been a direct sales model. Yeah, yeah. How many customers do you have? Uh, we don't disclose, but somewhere in between fifteen and hundred. Okay. So if you if you you know if you look out three to five years, you know where do you want that number to be? Where do you want your company to be at that point? Gosh, three to five years. Um, I think of it more from a, um, um, it's, I guess from a, a revenue perspective, and, and really mm-hmm. looking at the you know, 150, 200 million ARR range uh, in that, in that time frame. At that so point. That's, okay. That's gotcha. how we think about it. Yeah. Cause Which we have is, some, yeah, same we have some, some, some small clients. We have some larger clients. Um, it just, it runs a gamut. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, and, and that, and that, so that's great. That that's a great segue. So do you have a certain size of client or number of seats that you target? We typically are targeting diversified financial companies, larger companies. Um, uh, we have a lot of investment firms. Uh, I can't name any specific names, but large diversified okay. investment firms. And so they, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have numerous pockets. They might be private equity investors. They might have a direct lending uh, arm. They might have um, real estate, private equity. There's usually several pockets uh, that we sell into. Mm-hmm. Um, so a client, we might start in one in one area, you know, the whole land and expand concept and, and, and then yep. expand into yep. other areas. So for us, mm-hmm. uh, a small contract can often turn into a several hundred thousand dollar contract over time. And so, um, so right. we, you know, we, that, that's typically how we approach it. Where, where, uh, what department do you tend to call into? Uh, when you're first calling in, who oh, you're reaching um, out to? Tip, so we typically, our, our flagship product is the direct lending product. So bank loans. Um, and so mm-hmm. uh, th- those are typically credit agreements. Um, and so generally speaking, okay. that's the first call that we're making. Uh, we often mm-hmm. enter another, in, in other departments first, but that's probably the most common. Um, so we'll, we'll usually land into the, into the direct lending piece and then, and then uh, they'll introduce us uh, often into other areas of the business. Mm-hmm. What's the competitive landscape of your business look like? Yeah, it's changed over the years. Um, there's, there's a, a, there were, uh, I guess there's two buckets really. There's, there's really three buckets. Uh, there's the, uh, the research, uh, uh, type organizations, um, mm-hmm. that, um, have a team of analysts and lawyers and, and they research mm-hmm. generally mm-hmm. mostly publicly available documents, which is sort of our mm-hmm. legacy business. Um, and then there's the AI, uh, uh machine mm-hmm. learning, uh, technology, fintech crowd, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, DocuSign is, is, uh, sort of in that world. Um, those are, okay. they're also in the sort of e-signature space, but coming into the, the contract intelligence mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, those are some areas, some, some groups to watch, although they're not direct competitors today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the old fashioned Excel and, and the, the, the human, uh, human, uh, sort of, um, uh, right. Uh, hand, uh, hand work. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's frankly our, our biggest competition. Yeah. When we go in and, and really? t- typically that's mm-hmm. what, you know, the companies decided between the way they used to do it and our, in our process, um, because we, mm-hmm. Bring, mm-hmm. we bring an accuracy and completeness that, that other competitors don't. So that's, that's typically right. who we're competing right. against. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think more and more companies are going to start to, I have a, I have a, a, a client and they've done this in the commercial real estate sector. They've, they built a platform that is taking the place of 
um, all the all the work that's been done by hand, right? And it takes time to make that to get people moved into that. You know, people don't necessarily like change, right? Yeah. But when they start to realize that that the information they're getting is more is more accurate, then you know, I mean, what else do you need? I mean, not not what else do you need to sell, but they realize that the information they're getting is more accurate, and that's you know, information is key nowadays, right? I was just going to say we've noticed over time clients are now they they come to us so they know they have a problem. Whereas three, four, or five okay. years ago, they didn't know they had a problem. They, they, we were going, we were reaching out to them, and yeah. they were, you know, uh, curious to see what we had. But, uh, but the awareness around contract intelligence is much, much greater now, and the markets, you know, the market's starting to to open up. Yeah. Well, and I have to imagine um, investing in marketing, which you know I think is uber important, um, will really, really help help that along further, right? Because I imagine you had to evangelize a whole lot when you started this company. Yes, I think uh, I, I very much agree with you. And, and, you know, you asked about competition, but for us, execution was the most important thing. We, we didn't, in the, particularly in the early right. days, didn't worry about competition. And uh, now we now we worry about it a little bit more than, mm-hmm. than we used to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the more awareness there is about the category, the, the more it helps us. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. To be able to separate yourself when it comes down to the sale, right? That's right. So, yeah. Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges, Stephen, that you're facing uh, within the company right now? Oh, gosh. Um, besides the obvious, which is COVID, um, uh, in terms of you know, we're, we're back in, you know, back working mm-hmm. from home again. Um, I, I think just yeah, the, yeah. Cul- the cultural changes that go on in the company as, as it scales, as it grows, and um, the mm-hmm. changes in the in the needs of the organization uh, and the maturation of our managerial team, that all brings uh, uh, friction uh, that can, you know, sometimes we, we manage it well, sometimes it's, it's a little more challenging. And so I think that's probably, you know, as we grow and scale, that's, that's probably something that's, that's top of mind for mm-hmm. us in terms of challenges. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you have about 40 employees. Is everyone located in the tri-state area? No. And when I say that, I mean New York, New Jersey, so, Connecticut. <laughs> um, uh, we have uh, an office, a small office in Boston, and then a few people scattered okay. around the country. But for the most part, um, the, the the core of it is in New York. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody's back to working from home full-time. Those, those, as of a few weeks you know, ago. And, yeah, yeah, as of a few weeks ago for another maybe few weeks at least or a month but we'll see how it goes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's hard tell me a little bit about we're kind of talking since we're talking about employees uh, from founding of the company to how, how you've gotten to 40 employees and and some of the mistakes you've made along the way well um sure um i think probably so generally speaking when when someone makes it through our, our, our resume screening process and our, our phone interview. They come to the office for an interview. They're qualified for the job. They, they can do the job. It's it's mm-hmm. really a question. Rarely is, are they unqualified for the job. They, it's a, really a question of cultural fit. And so I think mm-hmm. most of our uh, errors in hiring have not been in hiring the, the, an underqualified person. It's been, we've hired the pr- wrong person for the, for the job and, or, or the, the cultural fit wasn't there. And I've had two in mm-hmm. particular cases that I can think of in the past where, 
um, poor cultural fit. I should have pulled the trigger a, uh, a lot faster than I did rather than persevere. To get rid of them. Yeah, because when mm-hmm. it's a bad fit, it, it's better for everybody to, um, to not make the st- mistake again and keep them longer than, than, uh, than otherwise mm-hmm. uh, we otherwise would. So I think mm-hmm. from a human capital perspective, that's been, uh, you know, those are some, some mistakes we've made. Um, and then we, one was early on, one was a little bit later in terms of really obvious examples for me. And the, the early on example really cost us because when it's a small team that, that can, that can get challenging. Um, and then, and then the next, then the other one is, is really developing, uh, our senior management, um, you know, as the mm-hmm. company has grown from pre-revenue to early revenue to growth stage, mm-hmm. we've had to rebuild our managerial team a couple times over, and um, and so that sometimes can be a challenge because sometimes you need to bring someone in senior and the individual that's mm-hmm. done a great job up until then, but can't really leg up to the next next stage in that that's role. Right. It's it's a hard conversation mm-hmm. sometimes, um, or it's a hard transition, mm-hmm. and we've done that well sometimes and not so well in other cases. Right? Why do you why do you feel that somebody doesn't have? Is it they don't have the ability to leg up, or are they not getting the training they need to leg up? Um, in this particular example, I think it depends. I think both sometimes mm-hmm. one, sometimes the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, startups I don't think are very good places to nurture managerial skills. Um, uh, mm-hmm. people that can learn on, on their own and have sort of some natural abilities in that area will do well because they're giving up early opportunity mm-hmm. um, and opportunities mm-hmm. otherwise wouldn't get more mature companies. But f- for someone that really needs that, that training in the managerial space and the time, there's, there's often little uh, time and training. And so, um, so I think it depends on the type of individual and the type of role. Mm-hmm. How do you tend, how do you typically, because you mentioned you have a screening process before you bring somebody in and then usually by the time you get them in that, you know, they're a fit. Tell me a little bit about how you, how you go about finding people and what that process looks like. Yeah. um, It depends on the seniority of the the role, Uh, Mm -hmm. a relatively senior role. Typically we're using recruiters in addition to our own internal Mm -hmm. uh, efforts um, okay. and, uh, and for the, the, the middle and, and more junior roles, it's, it's typically, uh, um, indeed job postings. Yeah. Angel list. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. outreach and then references from, uh, current existing employees. Yeah. And that always helps. So, so, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, ask you a hard question here because, uh, as I'm looking at your leadership team, everybody with the title, that's got a CXO title or a VP title or a partner title is a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So l- let's talk a little bit about this. Um, the only two women I see here are a director of talent and a director of sales. And they all have, have managers who are men. So we've had, we, so we had a, a, a female in the senior management role up until uh, this past mm-hmm. year. Um, so uh, we have less diversity today in that respect than we did uh, a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, it's 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 certainly an issue that's uh, top of mind for me. Um, right. We, you know, it's something we balance. We have we have. Um, uh, I, I have I take a lot of pride in our diversity. Uh, we have socioeconomic mm-hmm. diversity. We have ethnic ethnic diversity. Yep. We have cultural diversity, mm-hmm. geographic diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not have a lot of uh, female diversity at the senior management uh, level, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's mm-hmm. a difficult 
um, it's a difficult uh, uh, piece to address. And it's something that every time we hire a yeah. senior person, we look for. Um, and, um, right. and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's where we are just now. And, and it's, it's, I'm, I'm an immigrant myself. I'm a minority myself. And it's, it's, uh, you know, diversity mm-hmm. is very important to me. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's top of mind for us in that sense. Well, and, 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 you know, it, it's, it's really hard. I, I mean, and I don't, and I don't say that to, you know, have you feel badly about anything, right? I, I mean, you know, the question is, is diversity is a real thing. Uh, women are over 50% of the country. And how do you go about, how do you go about, you know, I mean, actively finding them? I mean, I, I, it's hard. Well, it's also- um, I've, over the years, have had many clients, uh, you know, when I've been doing, when I've done search work, you know, we'd love to hire a woman in this job. I'm glad they hired you. You're a woman, right? So, but, but, you know, you, the, the question then is you've got two candidates, one's a woman, one's a man. And if the man is far more qualified, what do you end up doing? Yeah. Well, I, I've thought a lot about right? this because um, I sure. think it's also stage of companies very important. In the early stages, we didn't think about diversity at all. Uh, we couldn't afford to. And then, you know, as we get, mm-hmm. as we got bigger and bigger, it became something that we were able to uh, to address and, and uh, do so uh, for the most part successfully. And as we, mm-hmm. you know, leg into the next next stage, it's something we abso- absolutely have to um, have to uh, proactively. Uh, uh, look for, um, and and we do, and so it's it's uh, you know as, as companies get bigger and bigger, there, there's more opportunities uh, to do so, and and so so hopefully that that's the path we uh, we're able to uh, execute on over, over time. Yeah, got it. That's great. What do you do in the way of? Because uh, I'm a big advocate of succession planning and leadership development. Uh, what are you doing in that realm to potentially? you know, if you've been able to get some women and take those women and bring them up even into a higher level role and train them up into it. Is that something you've worked on? Something you see in your future? Yeah, we, we just, um, we just promoted somebody, uh, into a, into a, a more senior role, a female. Okay. Um, and, Great. um, uh, th- that's part of our active, uh, sort of attempt to get mm-hmm. um, uh, a little bit more diversity in the, in the middle management side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that's a little bit easier cause we can train in house and then, you know, bring someone up. Right. Um, and, uh, so we, we, uh, and, and we work with, with folks on goals and we set goals and we, and we, mm-hmm. uh, and we have those conversations as we set them. And mm-hmm. it's okay. Sometimes we don't meet our goals, but the fact that they're there is very important because it helps us mm-hmm. strive towards them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, that's, that's something that we work with, uh, our, our folks, you know, sometimes we can't, uh, transition someone uh, that's just not there's not a spot right. or the time he's not there but, well, the, right. but we, we try to do it as much as we right. can it's it's much yeah uh, it's much ben- more beneficial for us to promote from internally mm-hmm. than it is to hire externally why oh they know the company the little cult, the culture fit is there we we mm-hmm. know what we we know mm-hmm. what their strengths mm-hmm. are uh, we know what we need yep. to work on uh, for them I and mean, it's just Good. it's just a much lower risk mm-hmm. yeah and I don't disagree. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always just curious about the thinking behind that. I mean, because the reality is, is, you know, when we talk about succession and development and, you know, leadership strategies, those are all part of retention strategies, yeah. right? Those are all things that will help you retain great people. Now, you know, the reality is nobody's going to stay with you forever. Probably not. But, uh, you know, the longer you can keep somebody, uh, the greater value they bring to you. Yeah, yeah, very much agree. 
Uh, is there anything, Stephen, about your industry that kind of bothers you or, you know? Um, that bothers me about my industry. Um, kind of bugs you or, I mean, anything that just annoys you. <laughs> I mean, and maybe there's nothing. Well, I think I think the financial world is a, is is a little bit distant from Main Street America, and uh, and so that's, that's uh, interesting. You know, that's yeah. something that um, I'm well aware of. Uh, I, I, when I got to this country, I, you know, we got green cards when I was five, and we came over. And, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I uh, Wall Street was far from my reality as a as a youth uh, growing up in mm-hmm. Texas. Um, and so, so what I do and what our company does and what the, the folks that, that we interact with on a daily basis, it's really a, it's a, um, it's a, uh, mm-hmm. an environment that's not, you know, I think as in touch with the rest of the US. Um, and so that's some, probably mm-hmm, something that, mm-hmm. that I wish, uh, we could, we could branch out of and, 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 uh, and expand out of as, as well and, um, mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm. of augment. Well. Yeah, I want to I want to step back and talk a little bit about about uh, your first venture, Stafford Group, uh, that you founded about six years out of um, undergrad and just out after you got your MBA from uh, MIT Sloan, and and that it was in Vietnam. Tell me a little bit about I mean, like the genesis of that and, sure. and why Vietnam and how you ended up there. Well, I, I worked for a nonprofit in between college and grad school uh, that did work in mm-hmm. Latin America with working with entrepreneurs. The idea was to mm-hmm. create jobs and wealth for, for these uh, emerging economies. And I love emerging markets. I, mm-hmm. I, although I was born in Scotland, I grew up in Ecuador in part uh, to a Scottish father, Ecuadorian mother. And, um, okay. and so to me, emerging markets is, is a passion of mine. And, uh, and so in grad school, mm-hmm. I spent two years in grad school, uh, looking at opportunities, looking at, uh, uh possibilities in emerging markets. I, I probably visited a mm-hmm. dozen, dozen emerging markets and I, I thought of going back to Latin America, but you know, I, I knew the language, I knew the culture, I, I knew people there. It wasn't as interesting to right. me as going to, uh, to an Asian country and, and experiencing a whole new culture and learning a lot about my own culture. Uh, by by living there, and so I targeted a number of Asian countries. I was close to going to China, and then I thought to myself, "Well, geez, the parties long ago started in China. Uh, returnees are coming back. People that know the culture, know the business, know people there, have capital." And I, what I didn't have mm-hmm. anything to offer the Chinese or the Chinese economy. Right. I was a, a 28 year old uh, with, with very little experience and skills. And right. uh, and the same thing applied in Vietnam, but the difference was in Vietnam, nobody was going there. So there was very little competition, mm. and so I thought, well, that's for me. Right, uh, I'll go there, and and um, and I borrowed uh, ten thousand dollars, and uh, and uh, went went uh, went over to Vietnam, and, and uh, that's uh, that's how we got started there. Wow! So you you said earlier, and I want to dive into this more um, about some of the mistakes that you made, uh, especially when it came to taking investors. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, well, I um, I didn't have, when I graduated from grad school, I had no money, and and uh, and I, I I mentioned that yeah. I borrowed ten thousand. As most people don't. <laughs> yeah, and uh, right. well, what I did was actually uh, I did a deal with a, a, a venture firm over there, um, where they gave mm-hmm. me a ten thousand dollar loan in exchange for a six month period, whereby I would start something, and if I started something, they'd have you know they'd convert that into equity and. And uh, and potentially invest in the, in the business, and so so that's what happened. Got it. Um, but it was you know it, uh, I had sort of was 
very happy to have done that deal because it got me over to Vietnam and, and got me, gave me, gave me an mm -hmm. opportunity. But um, I didn't know these folks that well. And, and, and without going into any detail, it wasn't a great fit for us, um, and I, which I realized over time. And so, you know, one, one, a key mistake I made is I, as I, you know, I got in bed with folks that weren't a good fit for me. Um, and so, uh, and so that, that was a, a important lesson, which led me to save as much as I could for my next venture and, and mm -hmm. do, do it a little bit differently. Uh, but that's, um, that was a, a big lesson for me. Mm -hmm. Do you speak Vietnamese or did you, when you moved I there? I was, you know, I had a, I had a teacher, I had a, 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 a tutor and I spent two hours a day on mm -hmm. it and I got conversational. Uh, but that was, you know, 15 years ago now. I'm, I, I can't say I remember much. So, uh, uh, but, uh, but I, mm -hmm. I, I did, uh, and I lived in a local area. I didn't live in, in an expat neighborhood and I, I loved it there. It was, mm -hmm. it was a beautiful, beautiful place to live and, and very warm people. So uh, did you close the company? Did it, I mean, t tell me about the, the uh, end of that up, company. Yeah, we ended up selling it, um, but it was really, a, okay. no one lost money. Let's put it that way. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a successful exit. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and so I came back and I was I wanted to start another company, um, but I needed yeah. some capital, which is why I got in the investment business. Mm -hmm. um, that was my my reason mm -hmm. for for coming back to the U.S. and getting in the investment business. Right. Uh, what are what other mistakes would you say you made um, with that organization? With the that, you know the first... that, can, that other people learn from. Um, well, I was very inexperienced in team building. Um, and so and another I, common denominator. <laughs> yeah. I would have focused more on that. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I was 20 mm -hmm. years old and, and I had no manager yeah, experience. Sure. Um, right. and so, and so I, I think that was a, another aspect that, um, yes, I can do this, but maybe I should, uh, team up with somebody to, uh, to help have them do it a little bit differently and a little more, maybe a little more creatively, maybe a little less effectively. I don't know, mm -hmm. but, uh, the team is so important and, and, um, it was, uh, you know, it was early days for me in that respect. And and you were the sole founder of Stafford, correct? I was, yeah. And you're the sole founder of Street Diligence, correct? That's correct. So had you had you thought at all when founding this new new company about bringing in a co-founder? Yeah, um, I did. In fact, I spent the first year, year and a half, uh, effectively dating, um, and mm -hmm. um, I, I. Uh, I um, you know, I, I didn't land on the right, the right fit initially. And then over time, I, my, basically our first employee, uh, he wasn't a co-founder because we'd already sort of raised some money and, and, uh, and gotten the company mm -hmm. started, but he, right. was, he was instrumental in our technical lead. He was very instrumental in the early days. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that, that, um, that was, uh, that was very, very critical for us, uh, and his contribution was very mm -hmm. important. Um, and so <clears throat> he was, he wasn't, he was not a co-founder, but he, he played a lot of that. that yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. What do you feel were the challenges around? You said you did a lot of dating that prevented you from finding the right person. Um, one of the, one of the challenges I had is, uh, the, the folks that understood the value of the data that I was, you know, the, mm -hmm. The, the contracts that I was working with or we, we were, we were looking to work with right. were on wall street, highly being highly paid and not really entrepreneurial people. They weren't technology people. And then the technology people right. that could, that could 
build the systems to extract the data were, you know, they didn't understand it as much and it didn't resonate with them the, the same way a B2C application might or something B2B that is less, less you know, legal contracts is boring. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so I think there was a gap there. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's very important, important for folks to be passionate about what their startup is. And, and I think for me, there was a challenge there getting uh, a technical person to get excited about legal contracts. Um, so that was, that mm-hmm. was part of it. Um, and I ended up hiring, you know, this, this first employee I mentioned to you, he, he had a CFA, right. he, although he was a technical person, he had a CFA and he had an interest in finance. He had done some, some mm-hmm. trading mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some investments. And so that was a good profile for us. Um, uh, but that was an early challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you find these, uh, dating prospects? Word of mouth. All of it was word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, tell me a little bit about your company culture and what makes it unique, Stephen. Well, um, a couple of years ago, before COVID, we sat down as a, as a company and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, sort of all, all hands meeting. And, and I, I, I spoke first and I said, here's, here's why I started this company. Um, I left a high paying job, reputable job mm-hmm. in the investment world to, mm-hmm. to, to take no salary mm-hmm. for a long time and, and start something. It to be all, broke. Yeah, it, right. it wasn't an economic decision. Um, yeah, and, I get it. Um, no, no entrepreneur goes into business as an economic decision absolutely. because you're never making any money for you know two years or more. <laughs> and so, so I said, you know, I want to work with good people. I want to enjoy what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. I want to put out innovative product that we're proud of. And that was the, those are the three reasons why I, you know, I, I, I uh, mm-hmm. worked uh, left my company, left my firm mm-hmm. to start this. And and then we broke up into small groups, and everyone talked about why they were at Street Diligence and what was important to them. And then we got back mm, together as a great. group and we said, okay, well, here, let's put together our list. And it became our core values. And it, and it, it you know, our, our core values and our cult, which really represents our culture around transparency and communication. Good. There's a, there's not, you know, mm. uh, uh, opportunity, particularly now with COVID to really, to really uh, flex that. Um, another one was the respect for the individual. So, you know, mm-hmm. th- it's inevitable that I'm going to have a problem with somebody else. It, it's, that's not the issue. The issue is how do I handle that? I sit down with a mature mm-hmm. individual one-on-one and we talk it out. Um, and then all mm-hmm. of this could be somewhere else, probably a much more uh, branded company. And, and we're here because we, we, we're, we're innovating and putting out product that no one else is, uh, is putting out. And that's right. exciting to us. Um, and so anyway, that, that's how I think about our culture. It's what our folks came together as, as, as what was important to them. Uh, and sure, we do, mm-hmm. you know, we do happy hours and we do lunches and things like that. But that's entertainment. That's not culture, and um, and that's that's sort of how we think. Right. About it. Yeah, that's really terrific. Um, you know, you talked about uh, two two hires that you'd made um, that were that were, and the one you should have pulled a trigger on to eighty six sooner. Where was the where was the miss cultural fit there, and 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 how did you miss it in the interview? Yeah, um, personality. Um, uh, mm-hmm. sort of just, uh, uh, you know, we're pretty, you know, we're, we're pretty polite to each other. We're pretty, uh, you know, friendly to each other. People are out, outside the office right. or friends. Um, uh, in one case, they just, you know, they just weren't, you know, they were just grumpy all the time and just not, in a, you know, not, um, mm. just, uh, they just weren't happy and, um, uh, with us. And I don't know if it was us or them or, or what, but, uh, it just, it wasn't a good fit. Um, and so, um, mm. 
I, you know, that's something that's a little hard to catch in the uh, interview process. Another mm-hmm. one was, was ego and politics. Um, just a lot of politics. Uh, never, never good. No. And, and yeah. I, I, never I, um, I, I actually, I missed a few yellow flags in the interview process and uh, in the end, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was, uh, that was a challenging one. Well, you know, they, they, uh, I, I, and I'm not the one who made this up, but you know, they say experience is a wonderful thing. It enables you to recognize your mistakes so you don't make them again. Yeah. Well, the goal is not to make the same mistake twice. We, we will make more mistakes for sure. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone does, right? But you know, yeah. uh, you know, the point is, is the ones you've already made. You know, you don't want to become the defin- the definition of insanity, right? <laughs> That's right. So, if um, so, where do you see at at 40 people, where do you see yourself investing in resources? Um, what type of resources in continued growth here, like in 2022, for example? Yeah, we're, so we're investing in the, in the sales and marketing function. We're growing that. Yeah, uh, both, marketing. Yeah, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. direct and channel sales. Yep, yep. Uh, channel yeah, sales are, are, are non-existent for us today, but something mm-hmm. that uh, we've, we're in discussion with a number of, of folks. Um, and, Resellers uh, and so on? or Yeah, yeah or partners. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's, um, that's, a, I think a big area of focus for us. Uh, and then we're also investing in the, in the technology we've, we're revamping our, our, our a lot of our systems and, and, uh, building for scale, mm-hmm. which, um, which mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. You know, and it's also going to provide our, our ability to, to, um, put out new features and functions more, more quickly, more effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That was, that was my next question. In fact, uh, what's your churn or your retention rate either 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 one is fine on your customers uh we are in the 90s on uh on gross retention retention yeah fantastic good that's what i would want to hear and do you have a a a customer success organization that's responsible for that oh we do we have a client success team Um, so we have a sales team Mm -hmm. and then we have a a, 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 a sort of renewals focus and then we have a client success right yeah and that's new as of the last few years Really good. So, so you distinguish between renewals and customer success. They're very; cl- they work very closely. But yes, okay, two, two distinct functions. Got it. Okay. Well, that's great to hear. What's your day to day look like as a leader, Stephen? Like, what do you spend your time doing? I sort of joke that I don't really do anything anymore, um, in the sense that uh, you know I've done every job in the company, and and uh, and I've mm-hmm. usually done done it relatively poorly or, or a- average. And then we get big enough to mm-hmm. where I can hire someone to do it better. Um, and so I sort of work myself out of a, a job. These days, I spend most of my time uh, meeting with my reports, solving problems that they're, that they're seeking sort of help with uh, and troubleshooting. Um, and then obviously, I handle the, the board and the, and the investor function. Um, uh, but and, the, and then I probably spend about half my time on strategy. I shouldn't say half, a quarter of my time on strategy and, and, and thinking okay. and, and researching that piece. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so it's, then that has changed a lot in the last year um, as well. Um, uh, it's, it's much less hands-off than it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, I, I try to, uh, I've got some good people in, in, in senior roles and I try to get out of the way and, mm-hmm. and help them where I can. Um, I spend a fair mm-hmm. bit of time motivating people and, and, and touching base with them and trying to figure out the pulse of the company. Cause even at our size, okay. if you're not paying attention, you can mm-hmm. lose track of that. Um, and so, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. That, that, mm-hmm. those are some of the things I, I spend my time doing. 
Okay. How do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh, with my kids and my my, my family. Uh, I've got three okay. young young kids, and so between that and the business, there's not much time for anything else. Well, right. How old are your children? Uh, nine, seven, and five. Two boys and a girl. Yeah, well, they're they're young, so that's mm-hmm. great. Um, how has working from home and not being in an office, if at all, affected your culture? Um, how people are feeling about themselves. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Um, it's been so hard for so, so many people. I think that's been the, the, the one of the biggest challenges in the last yeah. year and a half, two years. Yeah. Um, for the first yeah. year, um, it was, you know, working for, for, for the first few months, working from home was a novelty. And, and I think a lot of people welcomed it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and mm-hmm. we were very productive. And we, we still are productive. Um, through, we have been throughout. Um, but, and then I think people got tired. Um, and I think there was a, a little bit of a, you know, keeping the culture was impossible. Um, it, mm-hmm. it was really a question mm-hmm. of, of, of how do we maintain some level of culture through a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we actually went back to the office two days a week in September, right after Labor Day. Okay. Uh, and that was great. I okay. think it was the right amount where you're coming in, people mm-hmm. were excited about coming in, but also excited to be working from home. It was a good hybrid model. And that's mm-hmm. the intent to continue. Right. Right. Um, uh, and then, <clears throat> so for the fall and the early winter, um, we had a lot of, you know, good in-person interactions and it really helped the culture, um, uh, sort of get back to, uh, to close to what mm-hmm. it was. I wouldn't say quite there yet. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of new people, a lot of folks that we had hired during culture that, uh, during COVID that had, you know, had, had never met anybody in person yeah, right? or, even, or even if they'd met, they hadn't yeah. really worked together. Um, and so that mm-hmm. discovery process was really important. And then now we're back. You know, remote again for the last two weeks, and I hope yeah. it's I hope it's very short term uh, because I think that mm-hmm. you know that hybrid model really works for us. Um, I don't believe in. Remote. Do you think you'll maintain the hybrid model, Stephen? Yeah, that, that's yeah. We yeah. might go up to three days a week at some point, uh, but I don't yeah, think we'll still. ever get back. To, we'll never get back to five days a week. Full time in the office, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I've, and I've I've communicated that to our staff. <clears throat> okay, well, and, and listen, you know the worst the, the the worst thing anybody can do is is not. Uh, communicate proper expectations, right? So, you know, somebody that really needs to be fully in the office is probably not somebody that in a hybrid model, you're going to want to want to look at to hire moving forward. Yeah. Or somebody who wants 100% remote, you know, unless, unless you've hired somebody as a remote employee, right? So I think it's really all about, about creating a proper expectation and managing it. Yeah, I agree. And then, and anyone we hire now, we're upfront about what our our, uh, model is and, you know, if it doesn't work no. for them, that's great. They'll, they'll find some. As, as you and anyone really should be. Your offices are are in the city, <laughs> and that you know, I it, it for so many companies or who are paying rent on places they can't be in. Yeah, we actually, I, I have to imagine is financially hard. <laughs> we we just renewed our lease, so if we wanted to uh, get out of it, we could have. Um, we're happy with uh, right. I certainly didn't expect to be going back to working from home. For a short period of time, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't mm-hmm. mind paying paying the rent um, uh, during COVID, and, and uh, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're happy to renew because we, we feel confident that the hybrid model will will maintain. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, be, yeah, be good yeah. For us, fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
So if somebody listening to this is thinking, oh, it's kind of an interesting company. I'd be interested in maybe investigating, working for them. What, what should they do? Uh, please reach out. Um, uh, you know, please reach out to either myself or, or our, our talent and recruiting folks. And uh, we, we'd love to chat. And we're always looking for people that are proactive about their careers. Great. Great. And your website is streetdiligence.com. That's right. For anybody uh, wanting to find you. Well, uh, Stephen Hazelton, uh, founder and CEO of Street Diligence, thanks for your time. This has been a really interesting conversation. Thank you, Carol. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. 